0: Every August, HBO does a series of about five episodes called Hard Knocks. It's about the training camp of an NFL franchise, and it always selects one NFL franchise whose story is going to be particularly compelling that year. This year, the Hard Knocks episodes focused on the New York Jets because they acquired Hall of Fame quarterback Aaron Rodgers. So if you're not a football fan, Aaron Rodgers is a legendary NFL quarterback. He played 18 years for the Green Bay Packers. He led them to a Super Bowl. He was the most valuable player of the league MVP four times, including twice in the last three years. And the storyline of Hard Knocks was that the Jets were an otherwise excellent team. They were stacked that's the word, stacked with superstars. They have a great defense, great players, and skilled positions. The one thing they were missing, their missing piece, was a great quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers is an indisputably great quarterback. He's their missing piece. And also, by the way, if you're not a football fan, the New York Jets have been long-suffering. They won a Super Bowl last 50 years ago. And so the idea was that Aaron Rodgers was going to come, this great quarterback, this missing piece, and make them relevant again, and maybe they could even compete for the Super Bowl. So, it's five episodes, and I want to tell you, I watched all five episodes, and I did it for you, for the congregation. (laughs) Yes, I did it for you. I was doing research for high holiday content. You know, in August, you got to find content, and so I watched them. So, I want to summarize the basic plot line of five episodes of Hard Knocks, which goes like this. Yay! Aaron Rodgers is a New York jet. And the excitement mounts, and it soars, and it surges, and it reaches a crescendo feverish height. And then came the first game. (laughs) And it did not go according to plan. Aaron, after all this hoopla and hype and hysteria and fanfare, Aaron Rodgers was injured on the fourth play. His Achilles was injured, and this is a very serious injury. It's going to cost him for sure the season. So all this mounting excitement and mounting great expectations, gone, (laughs) poof, like that. And P.S., because he's 40... So if you're 40 at Temple Emanuel, you are a young member of Temple Emanuel. (laughs) If you are 40 at Temple Emanuel, you are a young person. If you're 40 in the NFL, you're an old player. And consequently, because rehabbing from an injured Achilles is quite brutal, it's very possible not only did this injury cost him his season, it cost him the rest of his career. Now... Why am I telling you this sad football tale on this holy day, Shabbat Shuvah, right before Kol Nidre Yom Kippur tomorrow night? And the reason is that this problem of having very exalted expectations, hopeful expectations, great expectations, dashed by a cruel reality, This is not limited to Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. This is all of us. This is every one of us. We've all had great expectations, dashed by cruel reality. In fact, it's so universal, the universality of it is attested to by how many different ways there are to describe this phenomenon. The Scottish poet Robert Burns famously put it this way, that the best-laid plans of mice and men often go agog. I don't know what agog is, but it doesn't sound good. (laughs) And then there is the Yiddish proverb, man plans and God laughs. And as my father-in-love, Arnold Goodman, used to say, life is what happens after we've made other plans. And here's my question for you. When this happens to us, and it does to all of us, obviously it's a drag. It's a bummer. It's sad. It's dispiriting. My question is there also another way to view it? Is there another way to think about great expectations being undone by cruel reality that is also legitimate, that is also true, and that is hopeful? helpful, and redemptive. So I want to tell you about a teaching from the Talmud. It's from the tractate Brachot, page 34b, and it asks the most interesting question. Here's the question that the rabbis of the Talmud ask. Who is at the higher moral level in life? Who's at the higher moral level? The person who just walks the straight and narrow. This person gets to work early, stays late, Works hard, plays by the rules, is prim, is proper, a straight walker. Or option B is the zigzagger, the person who had colorful chapters where they sowed wild oats that they're not proud of, but they enjoyed while they were sowing them. And they came this way and they came that way and they zigged and they zagged and eventually they kind of repented, and ended up in the same place as the person who's the straight walker. And the Talmud asks the question, who's at the higher moral level? And you might think that the answer is that the straight walker who got there early and stayed late, never deviated, he, he or she would be at the higher moral level. But no. Rabbi Abahu says, makom she ba'ale teshuva om din. That in the place where the zigzagger stands, the straight walker cannot stand. In the place where the person who's had those colorful chapters where they have been sowing their wild oats and came back stands, is it a higher place than the person who just always walked the straight now? And, and the question is why would that be? And I think it has to do with the concept of distance traveled. That the person who is the zigzagger has been on a journey. And that journey has had different kinds of chapters, and it's kind of been interesting. And the Talmud prizes our journey more than our perfection. And when we travel a distance, every zig, every zag, every chapter, every mistake we make, every learning we get from that mistake just adds more depth, more insight, more character to our story. As the great writer Agatha Christie once observed, I married an archaeologist because the older I get, the more he appreciates me. (laughs) The older we get, the more there is to appreciate. The older we get, the more distance we travel, the richer our story The more zigs, the more zags, the more there is to appreciate. So no one would ever pick what happened to Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. And no one would ever pick that kind of disruption happening to us. But our question on this coming Yom Kippur is when it does happen to us, and it does happen to all of us, can we reconceive it as not only a drag, which it is, but it is also an opportunity to write a different story, and maybe we could find deep meaning in the story that we wouldn't have chosen. It chose us, but somehow we cherish it anyway. So I want to give you an example of what this looks like. There's a guy in New York named Harvey Goldberg, who was married for 47 years to his first wife, and it was a loving loving, beautiful marriage, and after 47 years, she passed away, and he was widowed, and he was a cardiologist, and one of his patients said to him, hey, Dr. Goldberg, I have a cousin named Frida Levinson, And, and she was married for many years to her husband, and after more than 30 years, he passed away. I think you would really like her. I think she would really like you but I just set up a phone call for the two of you. And Harvey Goldberg says, okay, okay. So Frida calls Harvey and their clicking is immediate. Their connectivity is immediate. They just get each other and they just have so much in common. They both know what it's like to be in a loving marriage through the decades. They both know what it's like to bring children into the world and Sa'ar Gidul Banim, the kishka of raising children and the blessing of raising children, and grandchildren. They both know what it's like when the person you love most, your loving spouse, falls ill and ultimately passes away. And they both know what it's like, the cruel aftermath of that, which is going to an empty home all alone at the end of the day. And so Harvey and Frida on each other's respective cells start talking, and then they start talking pretty much every day, and they're talking, they're talking, and then the question comes up. Let's get together and meet in person. Now that's where it got interesting, because Harvey Goldberg lives in New York City, and he assumed, naturally, of course, that Frida Levinson lived in New York City. After all, doesn't everybody live in New York City? But it turns out she lives in Shaker Heights, Ohio, suburb of Cleveland. And so over the next weeks and months, they would start visiting each other in each other's cities. She would fly out to New York, and he would fly out to Cleveland. And then when the pandemic happened and New York closed down, he moved to Cleveland and spent the pandemic with Frida Levinson. Roll the film forward. Thirteen days ago, on September the 10th, they got married in the Cleveland Botanical Gardens. And there were apparently a ton of flower children. The flower children were their combined grandchildren. And he still lives and works in New York City. And she still lives and works in Cleveland. And they're gonna have a commuter marriage. They're figuring it out. For them, distance traveled is both literal And metaphorical. Now what about for us? We'd all love a life that is seamless and painless. Who wouldn't sign up for the seamless, painless package? Unfortunately, that is not in the cards. We'd all sign up for a life where every prayer is answered and every dream is fulfilled and every joyful expectation is matched by a joyful reality. But when that doesn't happen, that presents us with an opportunity to write a different story. In this new year, may we find deep meaning and deep blessing in the new story we are called upon to write, in the distance we travel, in the journey we make, in the ups and the downs that we weather, in the resilience that we are forced to cultivate in this unfolding and very exciting drama called our own existence. In this new year, the distance we travel, may we not only travel it, may we come to treasure it. Shabbat Shalom.